I think that at this point, if you were to do a white paper on the state and status of women's hockey and its viability, its sustainability, right? You have to look at what's happening across the board in women's sports. Hello, women's hockey fans. Erica Ayala here with another episode of the Founding Four podcast. Uh, By my tally, this is the 67th episode overall. This will be the fourth episode of season three. And, And as always, I want to thank you for tuning in to this NWHL centric women's hockey show, the Founding Four podcast. This is an independently run podcast hosted by me. Erica Ayala as a part of what I hope to be will be my growing podcast network, Sports Talk with ELA. So thank you for all of those who are listening. We're going to get back to our listener questions so you can send in questions. And as always, I would appreciate if you would subscribe to the show, rate the show, share the show, and just make sure that people know about the Founding Four podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at elinz 8 and you can use hashtag founding4pod to send in any questions. You can also send your questions using hashtag founding4pod to at founding4pod. Either way, I'll get them. But uh, let's get into the episode. Okay, let's start with our NWHL recap. We just concluded week five, and that was after the international break that was set aside for four nations. But but as many of you know, I'm sure the four nations tournament was canceled. That had that was a residual effect of the labor dispute happening with Sweden and their players. Uh, but anyway. Um, We have the NWHL back in action, going to recap those games for you. But first, let's go to the standing through five weeks. It's the Boston Pride sitting at the top of the table with 16 points, 16 of 16 points. They're 8-0 to start the season, and, you know, there's no quit in this team. The Buffalo Buttes, they were able to jump into second place in the first week after the international break. They now have eight points. They have a record of 3-3-1-0. Three wins, three losses, one overtime win. In third place, the Minnesota Whitecaps right on their heels with seven points, three wins, two losses, and an overtime loss. And that overtime loss was to the Metropolitan Riveters, who have two points on the season. They are 0-4-1. Again, that one being overtime win. And the Connecticut Whale are 0-5-0-1, five losses, one overtime loss for six losses total. This team is still looking for their first win. But uh, we also have the leaders in stats. So uh, the leaders in stats are pretty much being swept right now by the Boston Pride. In points, you have McKenna Brand. 15 points with her line mates Jillian Dempsey 14 points and Christina Putinha 12 points right behind her. McKenna Brand also leads the league in goals. She has 9 goals for the Boston Pride. Brooke Stacy right behind her. 
Brooke Stacy with the Buffalo Buttes has six goals. Carly Taves, Jonna Curtis, and Kendall Cornine all have four, excuse me, all have five apiece. Carly with the Pride, Jonna Curtis with the Minnesota Whitecaps, and Kendall Cornine with the Metropolitan Riveters. For assists, it's Jillian Dempsey, the captain of the Boston Pride, has 10 assists. She pulled ahead of her liney, Christina Putinha, and Amanda Boulier, as well as Kaylee Fratkin, who all have nine assists for the season. Lexi Lang with the Boston Pride, the third Lang sister to join the pack. She has seven assists. When it comes to goaltending, it's Lovisa Salander across the board. Best in goals against average with a 1.76. Best with save percentage at 9.49. And she has eight wins. All eight wins for the Boston Pride. So let's get into week five action. In week five, the Buffalo Buttes had a two-game weekend, but they actually split those two games. First, they were in Boston where they took on the Pride, and then in Connecticut to take on the Whale. And on Saturday, Mariah Fujimagari, she got the start, but it was pretty much all Boston throughout the game. In this game, um, this was a 6-1 to win for the Boston Pride. Mariah Fujimagari herself, um, I mean, had some amazing saves, as we are accustomed to seeing for her she made 36 saves on 44 or 42 shots attempted excuse me 36 saves on 42 shots faced and Mariah Fujimagari actually won the Chipwich save of the week for a very uh it quite literally looks like a back bending save that she made on Saturday however she could not get she and the Buffalo Buttes could not get the win in this game uh, the lack of shutouts in the NWHL would actually continue. And again, it's the Buffalo Buttes. They take on the Connecticut Whale the afternoon after taking on the Boston Pride. So quick turnaround for this team. And in that case, we would see Kelsey Newman get her first professional start. Newman has been with the Buffalo Buttes before. She was unable to crack the roster last year. They brought in, even uh, Amanda Levier was not able to crack, crack the, the Buffalo roster last year. Instead, we saw the likes of Shannon Zabados from Hockey Canada and Nicole, and Nicole Hensley from USA Hockey take over the reins there in Buffalo. And um, Levier and Newman found other homes. But Newman would get her start here. Let's first talk about Kelsey Newman. She wins the NWHL VEDA Player of the Week. And I got to speak to her along with Dan Rice and, and Nathaniel Oliver. And here's what Kelsey Newman had to say about the win and the Buffalo Buttes splitting the weekend series. Hey, Kelsey. Hi. Congrats, Kelsey. Thank you. 
all right. Well, let's uh, just talk about that. Uh, you get the win. Obviously, the team played last night in Boston, plays this afternoon in Connecticut. When did you know you get the start? Uh, coach talked to both Mariah and I individually on the bus, and Mariah kind of stole his thunder and came back to me after he talked to her and gave me about three big hugs and let me know that I was getting the start, and she was really proud of me. So he told us pretty quick after we got on the bus and got on the road to come over. Uh, last game you played, you got hurt. How do you feel, first of all? I feel really good. After I made the split save, I felt better. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you kind of maybe it clicked in your head, like, okay, I, I can do what I need to do. Yeah. And, and it was like, okay, good, I'm okay. back. I, I didn't feel any pain, so it was really good. Uh, your team blocked a lot of shots in front of you, but you did make a lot of saves. Uh, any that stick out in particular to you? Probably that split save, where it was like a split save and then a split save. Um, and any that I did with my glove, where I was really calm and collected and had my gloves out in front, because that's what we've been working on. Finally, uh, disappointed you didn't get the shutout, but you did get a win. I mean, I, I obviously would like the shutout, but at the same time, I'm happy to get my first win under my belt. I, go ahead. Go, no, just one for you, Kelsey. Um, so not only did, is it a full win, but you played the whole game, the first one there. How special is that to you personally, knowing all the, the time you've invested into this league and this game? It's really special. I actually told Mariah when we were walking back to the locker room I wasn't trying to be emotional because it's like three years in the making. I mean, I had great goalie partners in Bree and Lev, and they've always been supportive and everything like that. And Mariah stepped in and has been just as supportive as they have. So it's very special for me. Wanted to go off of that a little bit. I saw you engaging with Mariah throughout the game, uh, you know, shaking it off, you know, dancing it up, all the good things. What does it mean? You mentioned also the McLevman trio, which Buttes fans know about. But what does it mean, and, and how special is it to to make sure you, that you have that connection, particularly with your other goalies? Oh, it's super important, and it means like a lot because I know I've I've had goalie partners that weren't as engaging, and to have someone like Mariah, who we have our handshake, we do it probably 20 times a day. I think Mandy get sick of it at practice um, but, but no I mean it's great because the whole time whenever when she's in net or when I'm in net we'll do the handshake and then when we embrace in the hug it's always like giving some, like some type of feedback typically positive or what we're seeing kind of thing so it's nice to be able to communicate with her throughout the whole game you were able to split this weekend series always things though that a team can improve upon I'm curious to, to know from the goalie perspective uh, today in particular, do you feel that the team has, has really figured out their style of play and established what they want, where are their uh, areas for improvement? What's the team kind of talking about in that respect? I mean, I think we're always looking to improve. We always want to be better, but I think we are coming into our own with our own style and everything like that. But like I said, we're always looking to improve on to the next game and next practice. How, how important was it to get this win after uh, at, a, at a game yesterday where it didn't go maybe the way you wanted to, obviously? The quick turnaround, obviously less than 24 hours. How important is that to, to just get this win and, and make this ride back home with a little bit a little more gentler? Fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it was huge for us to get this win. I mean, it's, Boston's a great team, and, of course, we want to beat them too. But to come out of the weekend with one win, it definitely makes that ride back to Buffalo, getting in – pretty early in the morning it makes it a little bit easier going to work the next day and everything like that so it's huge for us to get the win today from uh, obviously you're a goalie but from this your skaters in front of you do you feel like maybe they they had a a slight edge because Connecticut hadn't played in a while and you guys did play last night I mean I think I think we had a slight edge and I think at the same time it was kind of like 
coming off of a loss, you always have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, like, hey, I don't want that. To, I don't want that feeling again. So I think that helped us coming out stronger today than we did maybe yesterday. But yeah, I definitely think that that helps. And obviously, we were off for I don't know, like three weeks or something like that. So that wasn't fun. So I know how it feels for a team like Connecticut to come in and be like, okay, I haven't played in a game in a while either. Hey everyone, Eric Ayala here. As we take a little bit of a break, just want to remind you, you can head over to Patreon and support this podcast and the other podcasts I have coming up on Sports Talk with ELA. Having patrons that donate on a monthly basis allows me to run this podcast on Transistor FM. Also gives me a little bit of money that I can put aside to having some of audio equipment or that I can use for travel when I'm bouncing around from women's hockey rink to women's hockey rink. So I hope you'll consider going over to Patreon for as little as a slice of New York style pizza a day. You can make a huge difference in my coverage of women's hockey and women's sports. So thank you for those who are patrons already. I hope some of you will join. We also over at the Founding Four Pod have a PayPal pool. So if you want to make a one-time donation, you can also do that. So as always, thank you for the support and let's get back to the show. So again, Kelsey Newman is your NWHL VEDA Player of the Week for Week 5. And I want to just offer this for the podcast. It will be Thursday by the time you're listening to this. But Kelsey Newman let it drop that there might be some McLevman reunion vibes happening. The Minnesota Whitecaps will be hosted by the Buffalo Buttes for a two-game series this weekend. Kelsey Newman... Amanda Levier were teammates, of course, along with Brianne McLaughlin. That was the goalie trio for the 2016 Isabel Cup Championship Buffalo Buttes. They had all of these fun little antics that they would do as a part of their goalie trio. You have two-thirds of McLevman with Amanda Levier and Kelsey Newman going to be in Buffalo. I hear there will be some reunion videos, so make sure you're checking that out. So I gave you one of the matchups that's coming up this week. Again, the Minnesota Whitecaps will be on the road as they take on the Buffalo Buttes. We have not seen these two go head-to-head as of yet this season. And on Saturday, the Connecticut Whale are shipping up to Boston for the first time. And I actually want to now play a little bit of my conversation with Sonia Shelley. Sonia Shelley has been the starting goaltender for the Connecticut Whale. She's still winless, as are the Connecticut Whale on the season. But Sonia Shelley has definitely made a mark and has, as it tends to be for this Connecticut Whale franchise, has been relied upon a lot by this team. So I talked to Sonia a little bit about her process and the team process, knowing that they've gotten very close but have yet to secure a win this season. So here is my interview with Sonia Shelley. We're here with Sonia Shelley, goalie for the Connecticut Whale. So you've been in net for what is it? I guess this is the seventh game, I think, six or seven I around think there. So yeah, I haven't been 
than keeping track, but yeah, about, around that. Around that. So, um, you know, this is your first season in the NWHL. Just curious to get your thoughts so far about being with this Connecticut team and in the league in general. Yeah, I mean, I was just super stoked to come into it and be playing in a National Women's Hockey League, being playing pro. Like, it's kind of a dream come true for anybody, honestly. But, yeah, I'm still – I'm not as much – as nervous players I was at the beginning, I'd say, but it's definitely a surreal thing to be playing in a pro pro league. Yeah, for sure. Well, you've certainly caught the attention of the fans on the broadcast for what you've been able to do for this Connecticut Whale team. I mean, you, you know, you put in a, a pretty heavy workload for them as as uh, the goalie backstopping the team. Um, but, you know, that does come with, uh, on the other end, that, that the team hasn't been able to get that win yet close last time against the Whitecaps and again with Buffalo. So how do you kind of manage, uh, you know, having an individual performance and feeling like you're doing what you can contribute, but also knowing that it's a team sport and and really wanting the team to to get to their goal right well I think everybody's in the same boat when we all know that it matters not just individual effort but team effort like you said but every individual effort is the team effort so Mm -hmm. if everybody's contributing that's going to contribute to our first win and right now not having a win and being so close to winning it's it's kind of tough but once we get it we know that it's going to be great because I know we're going to get it we're so close we're bound to yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I spoke to Lando a little bit after the game, and you can feel it, right? The players are like, ah, oh, we're right there. We're so close. But, but again, you know, what are some of the things that you and the team have been doing just to maintain that level-headedness? Because, you know, I would imagine that it's hard, uh, but you also have more games to play. Right. Well, I think it's definitely reassuring that so far all the games that we played have been super close. And they've been, I think just about all of them have been one-goal games. And I think that's reassuring to us, knowing that we can compete in this league, we can play against anybody and have a chance to win. And I, That's the thing really keeping us going and keeping us pushing for that first win. Sure. So, Sonia, we'll switch gears a little bit here. You know, goalies are known for being quirky. Do you feel like you fit into that category? I try not to be, but, (laughs) I mean, I feel like I'm not as quirky as some. Like, I don't have a lot of superstitions. Like, one of the things, I guess the superstition is to not have a superstition of mine. So I try to not do the same thing every game. I have little things, like, I always play with a ball. Like, I... uh, Honestly, I really don't have superstitions, and I try not to be quirky, but some might say otherwise. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I I get it. So the superstition, like you said, is not to have it. Just staying loose, it sounds like, is kind of your MO. But, you know, that does bring me to some of the things that you do, maybe not because they're superstition, but because they're good practice, and and they get a goalie ready. So what are some of those things? You know, you mentioned playing with the ball. I see some goalies kind of toss that against the wall. Some will introduce two, three, four balls. What's your your process? Um, So... I guess I always try to have a high energy warm up like I always try to stay moving around I never want to be stagnant Um, I just always try to have fun like I'm always dancing around doing other things like that but um, yeah I mean I just try to keep high energy like I said I try to just have fun and just do what I can do go with the flow I mean you might even see me sometimes in between the whistles dancing around a bit (laughs) I try not to get too serious and that's one thing that I try to stand by because I feel like if you try too hard you're gonna mess up yeah, I, I hear that as well as, you know, sometimes goalies, they might be quirky, but they have short-term memory, right? Yeah, yeah, sometimes in a bad way. Like, I've been told I have selective hearing and I don't remember things, so it can be good and bad. Like all things in life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll get you 
out of here on this. Uh, next weekend, you ship up to Boston. Yeah. And that team, I mean, has definitely, um, I think, put on the map the brand of hockey that they want to play. Um, but the Connecticut Whale have also established and are starting to establish how you want to play hockey. What are you looking forward to most when it comes to that series? And what are the things that you want the team to focus on most when it comes to being competitive um, against that Boston team? Yeah, I think going on, obviously everybody knows Boston's been a powerhouse this year. And I think what we need to do going into it is to not let that intimidate us. Obviously, we have to keep it in mind, and we know that they're going to be a strong team to play against, but we can't let that make us not play in regards to knowing that they're winning, they're playing well, and other things like that. So we have to keep a level head and have a positive attitude going into it. And I think just what I'm looking forward to is the level of play because I know that they're going to be playing high-level hockey. So that's probably the biggest thing, and I'm just excited. I want to see what it what it looks like when we play against them. Yeah, well, I'll be there on the call with Sam Fryman, so looking forward to it. All right, awesome, thank you. <laughs> All right, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you so much. And you heard Sonia say that they like the challenge of going up to Boston. They like the challenge of seeing another team, quite frankly. This Connecticut Whale team has only played the Minnesota Whitecaps and the Buffalo Buttes, and it's skewed by a lot in six games. They have seen they've seen the Buffalo Buttes four out of six games. And you can tell that this team just wants a new look. So we'll see what they will have in store as they go up against a Boston team that is just heavy on the gas pedal, man. They they are pedaled to the metal. They don't seem to be stopping. And no one seems to be able to stop them. So no doubt Sonia Shelley will again be asked to stand tall for her team. It now is a matter of if there's someone on this Connecticut team or if Connecticut can find someone. I think they still have some roster space. Can they find someone to really ignite their offensive capabilities and have them move towards the net and find some goals more consistently than we're seeing? We also know that the Connecticut Whale have been without their coach. So their coach uh, <laughs> participated in, um, what is it, uh, Battle of the Blades, some uh, figure skating competition in Canada. And then this past weekend was being honored by hometown heroes, from what I understood, and I said that on the Twitch TV broadcast. So we still haven't seen Colton Orr behind the bench for this Connecticut team. Uh, so Laura Brennan has basically kind of been taking over the, those responsibilities. I'm sure that Bray Catchum as general manager has also had her say. But once this team gets settled in with a coach, will that make a difference? And I guess we'll find out. Um, as of right now, we're going on the assumption that the NWHL will have all five teams in the playoffs. So the Connecticut Whale know that they have a shot at the postseason. They likely at this point will be looking to to uh, make their way to the semifinals through that play-in game. They lost that play-in game to the Riveters last year, but uh, it's not necessarily too late. However, it is right on time for this Connecticut team to start establishing their culture and their systems and perfecting those those systems in particular and starting to just play the brand of hockey that they're going to play and do it consistently and try to see if they can get on the board. All right, so you got the recap. You got 
the uh, matchups upcoming. Again, Kelsey Newman is the NWHL Veda Player of the Week. We heard from her. We heard from Sonia Shelley from the Connecticut Whale a little bit. So before we wrap up this show, I want to get into some other news or, you know, the word around hockey. So I mentioned the international break. And in lieu of four nations, the Canadian and U.S. national teams actually hosted what they called a joint camp now. Of course, that meant that meant that they were sharing facilities, but not necessarily ice time. Of course, not ice time. But I wrote a story over at the Hockey News, and it was my report on being able to uh, take in take in what uh, what was happening, just this joint camp, how it came about, things of that nature. And um, I think the main story that that found its way from that is that. The national teams are dealing with fewer professional games. Uh, The PWHPA has a showcase model, but those players are not playing in the NWHL, which actually increased their games uh, per team this year, although they've been divvied out in a weird way. Um, So anyway, all that to say... um, the national team players from USA Hockey and Hockey Canada are not playing in the NWHL. They are playing in the PWHPA, but those are showcase models and not necessarily a concrete number of games that they will have because not all players participate in all of the showcases. Um, so I was curious as to you know what this meant for those post-college players going into international competition. Again, this would have been four nations, but instead it was a a training camp. And, you know, I think coming out of that camp, USA Hockey, the players, their head coach, Bob Corkum, were very disappointed in their performance. Hockey Canada was a little bit more hopeful and um, feels that they still have a few uh, things to switch out, but that they will... um, that they'll they're that they're in a good shape. They did the evaluation that they needed to do. Whereas USA Hockey, I think, felt that they had done a lot of their evaluation and was looking to kind of see how all of the pieces fit and will stick to the wall, if you will. But now they have to maybe go back to the drawing board. So my story for the hockey news is uh is there. Uh other things that I've put out, I wanna give a shout out to Katie Fitzgerald, who I spoke to her on Halloween and we talked a little bit about her first showcase with the PWHPA. That is over as a bonus episode, so you can check out Transistor FM or wherever you listen to the Founding Four podcast, and all listeners should have access to my interview with Katie Fitzgerald. She talks about the PWHPA. She also talks about that really cryptic message we got that the NHL is kind of sort of maybe looking into women's hockey, but they're not going to talk about it publicly and not going to do anything while there's still a league that exists. Interesting to hear her thoughts on that. Other news, Haley Wickenheiser inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Last week's nine, the Nine newsletter, uh, I was able to speak to a few people at the USA Hockey Hockey Canada camp about Wick. And so everyone from Casey Bellamy to Cassie Campbell, Pascal, Emily Clark, talk about Wick as she was just inducted on Monday. As listening to this, that would have been November 18th, I believe. 
she is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. However, Haley Wickenheiser also made some comments that are not necessarily new coming from her, but are definitely interesting. I'd say a little bit disappointing, maybe, um, coming from someone with such... I mean, they're just a little bit disappointing, but also Wick has said things like this before. So I'm going to read the comments in the Sportsnet article. I do think the NHL has a plan, and I think they want to support the game, that being the women's game. It's not the NHL that's holding professional women's hockey back. It's the current league that exists, the NWHL, that, quite frankly, won't fold and needs to fold for the right reasons. I'm going to say that because I know the best players in the world, they believe the same thing. When we get the best players in the world in a four to six team league, that's going to be really good hockey. I mean, a few things that stand out to me, um, this idea that the NHL is just waiting on women's hockey to fail as opposed to uh, supporting it or even partnering with what exists now and being able to not necessarily start from scratch but take ownership in a way where, quite frankly, the women's hockey community, not just the players, but the fans, um, will be able to have a smooth transition and something that doesn't feel like a hostile takeover. Um, I think a lot of people have also been attached to the terms uh, like, that, that Wick says that the NWHL won't fold and needs to fold for the right reasons. I think that's really interesting. I'm not sure what those reasons Wick is referring to are. Um, I've said this before, but generally speaking, if you have a business model and there seems to be... Uh, there seems to be some interest in your business model... I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility to even if you saw the market getting competitive and wanted to um, maybe step aside because you don't think you'll be able to um, have the financing and the capital needed to long-term run your company. I think it's still within the realm of possibility to ask to be compensated for the success and the strides that you made in that space and it's not unprecedented to see a company buy a business even a business that's quote-unquote failing from multiple different metrics but that they see value in some of the things and so you kind of keep what you think is working and you move on i think there are a lot of things in the nwhl that um need improvement um i think that there are things that players have expressed they want to see change. I also think it's true that the NWHL has moved the needle when it comes to interest in women's hockey and to allow something that has gained success when it comes to visibility in a sport that's been invisible for so long to fall by the wayside, which is exactly, by the way, what happened to the CWHL. And I can completely understand why fans, diehard fans of the CWHL are very upset about that. I, as someone who was new to the CWHL, very upset about that. Because again, um, there were things that the CWHL was not successful at. There were things that the CWHL still hadn't figured out 
um, at the time of their last season, but the CWHL moved the needle in the same way, uh, maybe not in the same ways, but the NWHL has also moved the needle for women's hockey. I think that's without question, you have to attribute the modern growth of the game in the last decade for sure to the CWHL and on the back end of that NWHL. With that said, why we're at a stage where it feels like the NWHL has to absolutely combust for women's hockey to move forward, I don't understand. I get the sense also that people don't want people, uh, players that have been in the NWHL, have won championships in the NWHL, to be associated in any way in the NWHL. And I'm getting into a little bit of a rant here. I wrote about this in the Nine newsletter last week, but that to me sounds very childish. And it it comes across as though there are there are more things at stake than what we keep hearing as uh, a sustainable league. We don't know right now if the NWHL uh is sustainable long term, but we also don't know if the PWHPA is sustainable long term i think the answer right now for both is likely no and there is more that needs to be done but i think both have very interesting approaches i think it's very interesting that the pwhpa has been able to get sponsorships one off it seems as though at least they're one-off sponsorships for the most part with the exception of perhaps budweiser maybe adidas as well but for each individual showcase that they can get a marquee sponsor for each one of those I think that's a very interesting model. I also think the interesting model of having um, a 50-50 revenue split with players is very interesting. I think it could be great for women's hockey to take the best of both of those models and move forward and push women's hockey to the next level. Does that need to include the NHL? I'm not one of those people that thinks it does. Do I see value added in bringing in the NHL? Yes, I would not deny that, including that that seems to be what your top tier players want. And and I don't think that you can ignore that. Not my personal preference, but you have to do what makes good business sense. But here's the wrench in that plan. The NHL is speaking out of both sides of its mouth most of the time at best. And at times I get very cynical on on whether they want their commitment to women's hockey or not. Uh, a, a little over a year ago now, maybe about a year ago, I was, I was able to hear Gary Bettman talk and you heard Gary Bettman a year ago and I think probably still more current than, than that. It, but at least a year ago, Gary Bettman was still talking about a white paper that... Uh, Val Ackerman, who is the first um, president of the WNBA and is now commissioner of the Big East Conference, you heard him refer to a, a white paper that Val Ackerman did over 10 years ago about how women's ice hockey is not sustainable. About uh, a year ago, I also spoke to Val Ackerman and, and if she had changed her opinion on women's ho- ice hockey. And she. I got the impression that she didn't, and I respect Val Ackerman a lot, but I think she might be wrong. I've never seen her original white paper, but for the NHL to tout that they did a, 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 they hired Val Ackerman to do a report about the status of women's hockey 10 years ago, and to not reference 
some of the more current examples of demand for women's ice hockey. I don't know how we can go on just that, Gary. NHL, what are you seeing now after the Sochi Olympics? What are you seeing now after Pyeongchang? What are you seeing now after the advent of the modern NWHL or the expansion of the CWHL to China? Where, how have those metrics moved? Do we know? Have they even been examined? Has anyone recorded any of that? One, I would very much like to understand what the white paper of 10 years ago was, but what is the more, um, what is the 2.0? What is the follow-up to that report? Because I think that a lot has changed in 10 years and not just in women's ice hockey. I think that at this point, if you were to do a white paper on the state and status of women's hockey and its viability, its sustainability, right? You have to look at what's happening across the board in women's sports. And to not do that and to not invoke that into the conversation and to only rely on a white paper that is 10 years old, older now probably, I think that there are a lot of elements to the conversation missing. So that's my mini rant, I guess. Um, The last newser that I had here about the PWHPA is that they announced their rosters for their next showcase, which will be in Toronto. This news came in today, this morning, November 20th. And I mentioned this just a minute ago, but Secret is the marquee sponsor for the Dream Gap Tour, which is returning. This is the second time in Toronto. It's being billed as the largest event to date for the PWHPA. It will take place January 11th and 12th. Um, And yeah, Secret is a company that we've seen really step up. Uh, Four of the games in Toronto will be held at the Herb Carnegie Arena. Shout out to Herb Carnegie, who predates Willie O'Ree. He was invited to, uh, I I think, join up with, it might have been the Rangers, but, um, and this is actually apropos to women's ice hockey. As I understand it, the story goes that Herb Carnegie... He had a, a, a family. Uh, he had a young daughter, Bernice Carnegie, actually, in honor of her father who passed away several years ago. She often um, makes her rounds in the um, hockey community, including she was at the Hockey Hall of Fame um, when Willie O'Ree was inducted. And actually, if I can find it, I'd like to leave a little clip of me talking to Bernice Carnegie. Um, anyway, this is another aside, but hopefully you've learned to love these from me by now. Um, but I mentioned the Herb Carnegie Arena because Carnegie at the time was being asked to or being given the opportunity to play professional hockey and to play for the Rangers, as I, as I believe the story goes. And he, he would have been the first black player in the NHL at that time. But when he looked at the contract and looked at what he was able to make whilst still playing hockey and being near his family, he could not consciously make the decision to play professional hockey because that would mean that his family would have to go without because the pay was not sustainable. It wasn't a sustainable for it wouldn't have allowed him and his family to take care of their needs. Um, 
and again that i i didn't plan to go on this little you know tangent but regardless of how you feel and i do think their emotions are running extremely high it's almost excessively high and um <laughs> exhaustingly high but I think there are a lot of emotions in women's hockey right now, but I think what is absolutely fair to say is that like Herb Carnegie having to make this choice and thus opening the doors for Willie O'Ree to not only enter the NHL before him, but also to enter the Hockey Hall of Fame before him. Granted, it came several years late and you have someone like Gary Bettman not even retired from his post who also enters at the same time as Willie O'Ree and before Herb Carnegie, but... I don't have any opinions on that. Um, I think, again, it's just... It's... It's a little bit humbling to be reminded that this is not necessarily a women's sports problem, that this is a sports problem. Sports are a multi-million, billion-dollar industry. However, athletes have always had to fight to get their just desserts, as the phrase goes. Um, with that said, this is also very squarely a women's sports issue because regardless of how long women have been alongside men, when it comes to anything in society, women have to wait for their just desserts much longer than men. And don't even get me started on what that looks like for women of color. Um, so yeah, shout out to Herb Carnegie, shout out to women's hockey, who I think is definitely trying to push the needle. I am though exhausted by how the, how fractured the, um, how fractured the community is. And there are a lot of things that happened and are still happening in women's hockey that should not and uh, should not have and should not continue. Um, that's without question. Um, however, one has a choice on how to, um, move about. And I think that it's high time that women's hockey kind of settle into understanding that the landscape is not going to change overnight. And I think we're starting to see that. So Chelsea Purcell, former general manager of the um, Arkham Thunder, offered a quote saying that, you know, it might be time to change the approach of the PWHPA because it doesn't look like the NHL, the NWHL, excuse me, is necessarily going anywhere. I think that is, ah, I felt that way for, for some time. It's good to hear it publicly. However. I think that um, I'm very curious to see how the process of reconciliation will commence because I think a lot of punches have been thrown and a lot of people have felt, have either made a conscious choice or have felt that they needed to pick sides. And so now if we're saying that we need to meet in the middle, I just wonder who the players are that are going to be trusted to do that work. Um, and how it how it plays out um so yeah to be determined got a little bit heavy there at the end but i, I just went with it i think there's a lot going on in women's hockey and uh you know at 
the founding four pod, but for me, more generally, I always try to offer my opinion, but with um, what I hope are illuminating facts. Even if that means that someone wants to call me out on how they think that even with the facts that I presented that I'm wrong. I can absolutely um, open, I'm open to that as a possibility. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely open and I welcome any debate, but to, to omit certain facts or certain people from the equation when trying to usher forward all of women's hockey, I'm not a fan of that erasure of any people um good bad indifferent ugly is never the answer for me because a lot of times when we look at things with some time in between we can open ourselves up and soften ourselves to thinking about things differently even if we maintain our opinion and position and I'm just curious to see who are the people, who are the leaders who are going to step up and allow that reconciliation and the softening of the women's hockey community to happen. Because I tell you what, I don't think it's Wick. I don't think it's Knight. I'm not sure that it's Coin uh, Schofield. I'm not sure that it's Ryland. Um, and I think NWHL players that are in the league this year have remained and someone has mentioned this saw on social media they've remained under the radar i'm not saying that they're necessarily the right people either but there has to be someone that can you know mediate this i think it sounds like from some of the quotes that danny ryland gave i guess back in you know maybe september um it sounded like she thought maybe billy jean king and her group could maybe be that and that hasn't been the case so who else is it it's not Batman <laughs> I don't think and Kim Davis although I like what she's doing when it comes to I inclusiveness and particularly from the black community and the communities of color I don't know that the NHL has a lot of interest right now in utilizing her expertise and her great skill in being able to tap into uh quote-unquote non-traditional hockey or nhl markets i don't know that that's where her energy um, needs to be or will be or is even allowed to be um, you know directed so i i guess that's that's my big question folks let me know what you think at founding four pod use hashtag founding four pod you can also tweet at me directly elinzy08 let me know what you think got pretty heavy but who do you think could be a good mediator for women's hockey? Because it sounds like maybe the PWHPA is open to that idea. And it sounds as though if we take the NWHL on their word and what they've said again earlier this fall, it sounds like they perhaps are also open to it. But it has to be in earnest. It has to be in good, in good faith um, and not just uh, to put on a show for whomever, whether that's the NHL or anyone else. At least that's what I hope for. All right, let me know, folks. As always, thank you so much to the patrons who help me get the Founding Four Pod back on track. Always looking for some support for the show. Um, and that also can come by way of sharing, liking, subscribing, and of course, rating. I would love to get some ratings for the Founding Four Pod. Until next week, Erica Ayala signing out. <laughs>